Chapter Three of You Know Me, Al. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Rick Rodstrom. You Know Me, Al by Ring Lardner. Chapter Three: The Busher's Honeymoon. Chicago, Illinois, October Seventeen. Friend Al. Well, Al, it looks as if I would not be writing so much to you now that I am a married man. Yes, Al, I and Florrie was married the day before yesterday, just like I told you we was going to be. And, Al, I am the happiest man in the world, though I have spent $30 in the last three days inclusive. You was wise, Al, to get married in Bedford, where not nothing is nearly half so dear. My expenses was as follows. License, $2. Priest, three fifty. Haircut and shave? Thirty-five cents. Shine? Five cents. Car fare? Forty-five cents. New suit? Fourteen fifty. Show tickets? Three dollars. Flowers? Fifty cents. Candy? Thirty cents. Hotel? Four fifty. Tobacco? Both kinds? Twenty-five cents. You see, Al, it costs a whole lot of money to get married here. The sum of what I have wrote down is twenty-nine dollars and forty cents, but as I told you, I have spent thirty dollars and I do not know what I have did with that other sixty cents. My new brother-in-law, Alan, told me I should ought to have given the priest five dollars, and I thought it should be about two dollars, the same as the license, so I split the difference and give him three fifty. I never seen him before, and probably won't never see him again, so why should I give him anything at all when it is his business to marry couples? But I like to do the right thing. You know me, Al. I thought we would be in Bedford by this time, but Florrie wants to stay here a few more days because she wants to be with her sister. Alan and his wife is thinking about taking a flat for the winter instead of going down to Waco, Texas, where they live. I don't see no sense in that when it costs so much to live here, but it is none of my business if they want to throw their money away. But I am glad I got a wife with some sense, though she kicked because I did not get no room with the bath, which would have cost me two dollars a day instead of a dollar fifty. I says I guess the clubhouse is still open yet, and if I want a bath, I can go over there and take the shower. She says, Yes, and I suppose I can go and jump in the lake. But she would not do that, Al, because the lake here is cold at this time of the year. When I told you about my expenses, I did not include in it the meals, because we would be eating them if I was getting married or not getting married only I have to pay for six meals a day now instead of three, and I didn't used to eat no lunch in the playing season, except once in a while when I knowed I was not going to work that afternoon. I had a meal ticket, which had not quite ran out, over to a restaurant on Indiana Avenue, and we ate there for the first day, except at night, when I took Alan and his wife to the show with us, and then he took us to a chop suey restaurant. I guess you have not never had no chop suey, Al, and I am here to tell you you have not missed nothing. But when Alan was going to buy the supper, what could I say? I could not say nothing. Well, yesterday and today, we had been eating at a restaurant on Cottage Grove Avenue near the hotel and at a restaurant on Indiana that I had the meal ticket at, only I do not like to buy no new meal ticket when I am not going to be round here no more than a few days. Well, Al, I guess the meals has cost me altogether about a dollar fifty, and I have eat very little myself. Florrie always wants dessert, ice cream or something, and that runs up into money faster than regular stuff like steak and ham and eggs. Well, Al, Florrie says it is time for me to keep my promise and take her to the moving pictures, which is 20 cents more because the one she likes around here costs a dime apiece.
So I must close for this time and will see you soon. Your pal, Jack. Chicago, Illinois, October 22. Al. Just a note to tell you why I have not yet come to Bedford yet, where I expected I would be long before this time. Allen and his wife have took a furnished flat for the winter, and Allen's wife wants Florrie to stay here until they get settled. Meantime, it is costing me a whole lot of money at the hotel and for meals, besides I am paying $10 a month rent for the house you got for me, and what good am I getting out of it? But Florrie wants to help her sister, and what can I say? Though I did make her promise she would not stay no longer than next Saturday, at least. So I guess, Al, we will be home on the evening train Saturday, and then maybe I can save some money. I know, Al, that you and Bertha will like Florrie when you get acquainted with her, especially Bertha, though Florrie dresses pretty swell and spends a whole lot of time fussing with her face and her hair. She says to me tonight, Who are you writing to? And I told her, Al Blanche, and who I have told you about a good many times. She says, I bet you are writing to some girl, and acted like as though she was kind of jealous. So I thought I would tease her a little and says, I don't know no girls except you and Violet and Hazel. Who is Violet and Hazel, she says. I kind of laughed and says, Oh, I guess I better not tell you. And then she says, I guess you will tell me. That made me kind of mad because no girl can't tell me what to do. She says, Are you going to tell me? And I says, No. Then she says, If you don't tell me, I will go over to Marie's, that is her sister, Alan's wife, and stay all night. I says, go on, and she went downstairs, but I guess she probably went to get a soda, because she has some money of her own that I give her. This was about two hours ago, and she is probably down in the hotel lobby now, trying to scare me by making me believe she has went to her sister's. But she can't fool me, Al, and I am going out to mail this letter and get a beer. I won't never tell her about Violet and Hazel if she is going to act like that. Yours truly, Jack. Chicago, Illinois, October 24. Friend Al. I guess I told you, Al, that we would be home Saturday evening. I have changed my mind. Alan and his wife has a spare bedroom and wants us to come there and stay a week or two. It won't cost nothing except they will probably want to go out to the moving pictures nights and we will probably have to go along with them and I am a man, Al, that wants to pay his share and not be cheap. I and Florrie had our first quarrel the other night. I guess I told you the start of it, but I don't remember. I made some crack about Violet and Hazel, just to tease Florrie, and she wanted to know who they was, and I would not tell her. So she gets sore and goes over to Marie's to stay all night. I was just kidding, Al, and was willing to tell her about them two poor girls, whatever she wanted to know, except that I don't like to brag about girls being stuck on me. So I goes over to Marie's after her and tell her all about them, except that I turned them down cold at the last minute to marry her because I did not want her to get all swelled up. She made me swear that I did not never care nothing about them, and that was easy because it was the truth. So she come back to the hotel with me just like I knowed she would when I ordered her to. They must not be no mistake about who is the boss in my house. Some men lets their wife run all over them, but I am not that kind. You know me, Al. I must get busy and pack my suitcase if I am going to move over to Allen's. I sent three collars and a shirt to the laundry this morning, so even if we go over there tonight, I will have to take another trip back this way in a day or two. I won't mind, Al, because they sell my kind of beer down to the corner, 
and I never seen it sold nowhere else in Chi. You know the kind it is, eh, Al? I wish I was lifting a few with you tonight. Your pal, Jack. Chicago, Illinois, October 28. Dear old Al, Florrie and Marie has went downtown shopping because Florrie thinks she has got to have a new dress, though she has got two changes of clothes now, and I don't know what she can do with another one. I hope she don't find none to suit her, though it would not hurt her none if she got something for next spring at a reduction. I guess she must think I am Charles A. Comiskey or somebody. Allen has went to a college football game. One of the reporters give him a pass. I don't see nothing in football except a lot of scrapping between little slobs that I could lick the whole bunch of them, so I did not care to go. The reporter is one of the guys that traveled round with our club all summer. He called up and said he had only one pass, but he was not hurting my feelings none, because I would not go to no rotten football game if they paid me. The flat across the hall from this here one is for rent furnished. They want $40 a month for it, and I guess they think they must be lots of suckers running round loose. Marie was talking about it and says, Why don't you and Flora take it, and then we can be right together all winter long and have some big times? Flory says, It would be all right with me. What about it, Jack? I says, What do you think I am? I don't have to live in no high-priced flat when I got a home in Bedford where they ain't no people trying to hold everybody up all the time. So they did not say no more about it when they seen I was in earnest. Nobody can tell me where I am going to live, sister-in-law or no sister-in-law. If I was to rent the rotten old flat, I would be paying $50 a month rent, including the house down in Bedford. Fine chance, Al. Well, Al, I am lonesome and thirsty, so more later. Your pal, Jack. Chicago, Illinois, November 2. Friend Al. Well, Al, I got some big news for you. I am not coming to Bedford this winter after all, except to make a visit, which I guess will be around Christmas. I changed my mind about that flat across the hall from the Allens and decided to take it after all. The people who was in it and owns the furniture says they would let us have it till the 1st of May if we would pay forty-two fifty a month which is only two fifty a month more than they would have let us have it for for a short time. So you see, we got a bargain because it is all furnished and everything, and we won't have to blow no money on furniture besides the club goes to California in the middle of February, so Florrie would have no place to stay while I am away. The Allens only subleased their flat from some other people till the second of February, and when I and Allen goes west, Marie can come over and stay with Florrie so you see it is best all around. If we should have bought in furniture, it would have cost us in the neighborhood of a hundred dollars, even without no piano, and they is a piano in this house flat, which makes it nice, because Florrie plays pretty good with one hand, and we can have lots of good times at home without it costing us nothing except just having the bare living expenses. I consider myself lucky to have found out about this before it was too late and somebody else had have gotten the tip. Now, Al, old pal, I want to ask a great favor of you, Al. I already have paid one month rent, $10, on a house in Bedford, and I want you to see the old man and see if he won't call off that lease. Why should I be paying $10 a month rent down there and forty-two fifty up here when the house down there is not no good to me because I am living up here all winter? 
See, Al? Tell him I will gladly give him another month rent to call off the lease, but don't tell him that if you don't have to. I want to be fair with him. If you will do this favor for me, Al, I won't never forget it. Give my kindest to Bertha and tell her I am sorry I and Florrie won't see her right away, but you see how it is, Al. Yours, Jack. Chicago, Illinois, November 30. Friend Al, I have not wrote for a long time, have I, Al? But I have been very busy. There was not enough furniture in the flat, and we have been buying some more. There was enough for some people, maybe, but I and Florrie is the kind that won't have nothing but the best. The furniture them people had in the living room was oak, but they had a bookcase built in in the flat that was mahogany, and Florrie would not stand for no joke combination like that, so she moved the oak chairs and table into the spare bedroom, and we went downtown to buy some mahogany. But it cost too much, Al, and we was feeling pretty bad about it when we seen some Sir Cashin walnut that was prettier even than the mahogany and not near so expensive. It is not no real Circassian walnut, but it is just as good, and we got it reasonable. Then we got some mission chairs for the dining room, because the old ones was just straw and was no good, and we got a big leather couch for $9 that somebody can sleep on if we get too much company. I hope you and Bertha can come up for the holidays and see how comfortable we are fixed. That is all the new furniture we have bought in, but Florrie set her heart on some old rose drapes and a red table lamp that is the biggest you ever see now, and I did not have the heart to say no. The whole thing cost me in the neighborhood of a hundred and ten dollars, which is very little for what we got. And then it will always be ourn, even when we move away from this flat, though we will have to leave the furniture that belongs to the other people, but their part of it is not no good anyway. I guess I told you, Al, how much money I had when the season ended. It was $1,400, all told, including the city serious money. Well, Al, I got in the neighborhood of $800 left because I give $200 to Florrie to send down to Texas to her other sister who had a bad egg for a husband that managed the club in the Texas-Oklahoma League, and this was the money she had to pay to get the divorce. I am glad, Al, that I was lucky enough to marry Happy and get a good girl for my wife that has got some sense and besides, if I have got $800 left, I should not worry, as they say. Your pal, Jack. Chicago, Illinois, December 7. Dear old Al. No, I was in earnest, Al, when I says that I wanted you and Bertha to come up here for the holidays. I know I told you that I might come to Bedford for the holidays, but that is all off. I have gave up the idea of coming to Bedford for the holidays, and I want you to be sure and come up here for the holidays, and I will show you a good time. I would love to have Bertha come too, and she can come if she wants to, only Florrie don't know if she would have a good time or not, and thinks maybe she would rather stay in Bedford and you come alone. But be sure and have Bertha come if she wants to come, but maybe she would not enjoy it. You know best, Al. I don't think the old man give me no square deal on that lease, but if he wants to stick me, all right. I am grateful to you, Al, for trying to fix it up, but maybe you could have did better if you had have went at it in a different way. I am not finding no fault with my old pal, though. Don't think that. When I have a pal, I am the man to stick to him through thick and thin. If the old man is going to hold me to that lease, I guess I will have to stand it, and I guess I won't starve to death for no $10 a month, because I am going to get $2,800 next year besides the city serious money, and maybe we will get into the World Series, too. 
I know we will if Callahan will pitch me every third day like I wanted him to last season. But if you had approached the old man in a different way, maybe you could have fixed it up. I wish you would try it again, Al, if it is not no trouble. We had Allen and his wife here for Thanksgiving dinner, and the dinner cost me better than $5. I thought we had enough to eat to last a week, but about 6 o'clock at night, Florrie and Marie said they was hungry, and we went downtown and had dinner all over again, and I paid for it, and it cost me $5 more. Allen was all ready to pay for it when Florrie said, No, this day's treat is on us. So I had to pay for it. But I don't see why she did not wait and let me do the talking. I was going to pay for it anyway. Be sure and come and visit us for the holidays, Al. And, of course, if Bertha wants to come, bring her along. We will be glad to see you both. I won't never go back on a friend and pal. You know me, Al. Your pal, Jack. Chicago, Illinois, December 20. Friend Al. I don't see what can be the matter with Bertha, because you know, Al, we would not care how she dressed and would not make no kick if she came up here in a nightgown. She did not have no license to say we was too swell for her, because we did not never think of nothing like that. I wish you would talk to her again, Al, and tell her she need not get sore on me, and that both her and you is welcome at my house any time I ask you to come. See if you can't make her change her mind, Al, because I feel like as if she must have took offense at something I may have wrote you. I am sorry you and her are not coming, but I suppose you know best. Only we was getting all ready for you, and Florrie said only the other day that she wished the holidays was over, but that was before she knowed you was not coming. I hope you can come, Al. Well, Al, I guess there is not no use talking to the old man no more. You have did the best you could, but I wish I could have came down there and talked to him. I will pay his rotten old ten dollars a month, and the next time I come to Bedford and meet him on the street, I will bust his jaw. I know he is an old man, Al, but I don't like to see nobody get the best of me, and I am sorry I ever asked him to let me off. Some of them old skinflints has no heart, Al, but why should I fight with the old man over chicken feed like ten dollars? Florrie says a star pitcher like I should not ought to never scrap about little things, and I guess she is right, Al, so I will pay the old man his $10 a month if I have to. Florrie says she is jealous of me writing to you so much, and she says she would like to meet this great old pal of mine. I would like to have her meet you too, Al, and I would like to have you change your mind and come and visit us, and I am sorry you can't come, Al. Yours truly, Jack. Chicago, Illinois, December 27. Old pal. I guess all these left-handers is alike, though I thought this Allen had some sense. I thought he was different from the most, and was not no rummy, but they are all alike, Al, and they are all lucky that somebody don't hit them over the head with an axe and kill them, but I guess at that you could not hurt no left-handers by hitting them over the head. We was all down on State Street the day before Christmas, and the girls was all tired out and ready to go home, but Allen says, No, I guess we better stick down a while because now the crowds is out and it will be fun to watch them. So we all walked up and down State Street about an hour longer and finally we came in front of a big jewelry store window and in it was a small diamond ring that was marked $100. It was a lady's ring, so Marie says to Allen, Won't you buy that for me? And Allen says, Do you really want it? And she says she did. So we tells the girls to wait, 
and we goes over to a saloon where Allen has got a friend and gets a check cashed and we come back and he bought the ring. Then Flory looks like as though she was getting all ready to cry and I asked her what was the matter and she says I had not bought her no ring, not even when we was engaged. So I and Allen goes back to the saloon and I gets a check cashed and we come back and bought another ring. But I did not think the ring Allen had bought and was worth no one hundred dollars so I gets one for $75. Now, Al, you know I am not making no kick on spending a little money for a present for my own wife, but I had already bought her a wristwatch for $15, and a wristwatch was just what she had wanted. I was willing to give her the ring if she had not have wanted the wristwatch more than the ring, but when I gave her the ring, I kept the wristwatch and did not tell her nothing about it. Well, I come downtown alone the day after Christmas, and they would not take the wristwatch back in the store where I got it. So I'm going to give it to her for a New Year's present, and I guess that will make Allen feel like a dirty deuce. But I guess you cannot hurt no left-hander's feelings at that. They are all alike. But Allen has not got nothing but a dinky curveball and a fastball that looks like my slow one. If Comiskey was not good-hearted, he would have sold them long ago. I sent you and Bertha a cut glass dish, Al, which was the best I could get for the money, and it was pretty high priced at that. We was glad to get the pretty pincushions from you and Bertha, and Flory says to tell you that we are well supplied with pincushions now, because the ones you sent makes an even half dozen. Thanks, Al, for remembering us, and thank Bertha, too, though I guess you paid for them. Your pal, Jack. Chicago, Illinois, January 3. Old pal. Al, I've been pretty sick ever since New Year's Eve. We had a table at one of the swell restaurants downtown, and I never seen so much wine drank in my life. I would rather have had beer, but they would not sell us none, so I found out that they was a certain kind that you can get for one dollar a bottle and is just as good as the kind that has got all them fancy names, but this left-hander starts ordering some other kind about 11 o'clock, and it was five dollars a bottle, and the girls both says they liked it better. I could not see a whole lot of difference myself, and I would have given 20 cents for a big stein of my kind of beer. You know me, Al. Well, Al, you know there is not nobody that can drink more than your old pal, and I was all okay at 1 o'clock, but I seen the girls was getting kind of sleepy, so I says we better go home. Then Marie says, Oh, shut up, and don't be no quitter. I says, You better shut yourself and not be telling me to shut up. And she says, What will you do if I don't shut up? And I says, I would bust her in the jaw. But you know, Al, I would not think of busting no girl. Then Flory says, You better not start nothing, because you had too much to drink, or you would not be talking about busting girls in the jaw. And I says, I don't care if it is a girl I bust or a left-hander. I did not mean nothing at all, Al, but Marie says I had insulted Alan and he gets up and slaps my face. Well, Al, I am not going to stand that from nobody, not even if he is my brother-in-law and a left-hander that has not got enough speed to break a pane of glass. So I give him a good beating, and the waiters butts in and puts us all out for fighting, and I and Flory comes home in a taxi, and Alan and his wife don't get in till about 5 o'clock, so I guess she must have had to have took him to a doctor to get fixed up. I've been in bed ever since, till just this morning, kind of sick to my stomach. I guess I must have eat something that did not agree with me. Alan come over after breakfast this morning and asked me was I all right, 
So I guess he is not sore over the beating I give him, or else he wants to make friends because he has saw that I am a bad guy to monkey with. Flory tells me a little while ago that she paid the whole bill at the restaurant with my money because Alan was broke. So you see what kind of a cheapskate he is, Al, and some day I'm going to bust his jaw. She won't tell me how much the bill was, and I won't ask her to no more, because we had a good time outside of the fight, and what do I care if we spent a little money? Yours truly, Jack. Chicago, Illinois, January 20. Friend Al. Allen and his wife have gave up the flat across the hall from us and come over to live with us, because we got a spare bedroom, and why should they not have the benefit of it? But it is pretty hard for the girls to have to cook and do the work when they is four of us, so I have a hired girl who does it all for $7 a week. It is great stuff, Al, because now we can go round as we please and don't have to wait for no dishes to be washed or nothing. We generally almost always has dinner downtown in the evening, so it is pretty soft for the girl, too. She don't generally have no more than one meal to get because we generally run round downtown till late and don't get up till about noon. That sounds funny, don't it, Al, when I used to get up at five every morning down home? Well, Al, I can tell you something else that may sound funny, and that is that I lost my taste for beer. I don't seem to care for it no more, and I found I can stand almost as many drinks of other stuff as I could of beer. I guess, Al, they is not nobody ever lived can drink more and stand up better under it than me. I make the girls and Alan quit every night. I only got just time to write you this short note because Florrie and Marie is giving a big party tonight and I and Alan have got to beat it out of the house and stay out of the way till they get things ready. It is Marie's birthday and she says she is 22 but say Al if she is 22 Kid Gleason is 30. Well Al the girls say we must blow so I will run out and mail this letter. Yours truly Jack. Chicago Illinois January 31. Al. Alan is going to take Marie with him on the training trip to California, and of course Florrie has been at me to take her along. I told her positively that she can't go. I can't afford no stunt like that, but still I am up against it to know what to do with her while we are on the trip, because Marie won't be here to stay with her. I don't like to leave her here all alone, but there is nothing to it, Al. I can't afford to take her along. She says... I don't see why you can't take me if Alan takes Marie. And I says, that stuff is all okay for Alan, because him and Marie has been grafting off of us all winter. And then she gets mad and tells me I should not ought to say her sister was no grafter. I did not mean nothing like that, Al, but you don't never know when a woman is going to take offense. If our furniture was down in Bedford, everything would be all okay, because I could leave her there and I would feel all okay, because I would know that you and Bertha would see that she was getting along okay. But they would not be no sense in sending her down to a house that has not no furniture in it. I wish I'd knowed somewheres where she could visit, Al. I would be willing to pay her board even. Well, Al, enough for this time. Your old pal, Jack. Chicago, Illinois, February 4. Friend Al... You are a real old pal, Al, and I certainly am grateful to you for the invitation. I have not told Flory about it yet, but I am sure she will be tickled to death, and it is certainly kind of you, old pal. I did not never dream of nothing like that. I know what you say, Al, about not accepting no board, but I think it would be better, and I would feel better, if you would take something, 
say about $2 a week. I know Bertha will like Florrie and that they will get along okay together because Florrie can learn her how to make her clothes look good and fix her hair and fix up her face. I feel like as if you had took a big load off of me, Al, and I won't never forget it. If you don't think I should pay no board for Florrie, all right. Suit yourself about that, old pal. We are leaving here the 20th of February, and if you don't mind, I will bring Florrie down to you about the 18th. I would like to see the old bunch again, and especially you and Bertha. Yours, Jack. P.S. We will only be away till April 14th, and that is just a nice visit. I wish we did not have no flat on our hands. Chicago, Illinois, February 9. Old pal, I want to thank you for asking Florrie to come down there and visit you, Al, but I find she can't get away. I did not know she had no engagements, but she says she may go down to her folks in Texas, and she don't want to say that she will come to visit you when it is so indefinite. So thank you just the same, Al, and thank Bertha, too. Florrie is still at me to take her along to California, but honest, Al, I can't do it. I am right down to my last $50, and I have not paid no rent for this month. I owe the hired girl two weeks' salary, and both I and Florrie need some new clothes. Florrie has just came in since I started writing this letter, and we have been talking some more about California, and she says maybe if I would ask Comiskey, he would take her along as the club's guest. I had not never thought of that, Al, and maybe he would, because he is a pretty good scout, and I guess I will go and see him about it. The league has its schedule meeting here tomorrow, and maybe I can see him down to the hotel where they meet at. I am so worried, Al, that I can't write no more, but I will tell you how I come out with Comiskey. Your pal, Jack. Chicago, Illinois, February 11. Friend Al. I am up against it right, Al, and I don't know where I am going to head in at. I went down to the hotel where the league was holding its schedule meeting at, and I seen Comiskey and got some money off of the club, but I owe all the money I got off of them, and I am still wondering what to do about Florrie. Comiskey was busy in the meeting when I went down there, and there was not no chance to see him for a while, so I and Allen and some of the boys hung round and had a few drinks and fanned. This here Joe Hill, the busher that Detroit has got, that Violet is hooked up to, was round the hotel. I don't know what for, but I felt like busting his jaw. Only the boys told me I had better not do nothing, because I might kill him, and anyway, he probably won't be in the league much longer. Well, finally, Comiskey got through the meeting, and I seen him, and he says, Hello, young man. What can I do for you? And I says, I would like to get a hundred dollars advance money. He says, Have you been taking care of yourself down in Bedford? And I told him I had been living here all winter, and it did not seem to make no hit with him, though I don't see what business it is of his in where I live. So I says, I had been taking good care of myself. And I have, Al. You know that. So he says I should come to the ballpark the next day, which is today, and he would have the secretary take care of me, but I says I could not wait, and so he give me a hundred dollars out of his pocket and says he would have it charged against my salary. I was just going to brace him about the California trip when he got away and went back to the meeting. 
Well, Al, I hung round with the bunch, waiting for him to get through again, and we had some more drinks, and finally Comiskey was through again, and I braced him in the lobby and asked him if it was all right to take my wife along to California. He says, sure, they would be glad to have her along. And then I says, would the club pay her fare? He says, I guess you must have spent that hundred dollars buying some nerve. He says, have you got no sisters that would like to go along too? He says, does your wife insist on the drawing room, or will she take a lower berth? He says, is my special train good enough for her? Then he turns away from me, and I guess some of the boys must have heard the stuff he pulled, because they was laughing when he went away, but I did not see nothing to laugh at. But I guess he meant that I would have to pay her fare if she goes along, and that is out of the question, Al. I am up against it, and I don't know where I am going to head in at. Your pal, Jack. Chicago, Illinois, February 12. Dear old Al, I guess everything will be all okay now, at least I am hoping it will. When I told Flory about how I come out with Comiskey, she bawled her head off, and I thought for a while I was going to have to call a doctor or something, but pretty soon she cut it out, and we sat there a while without saying nothing. Then she says, If you could get your salary raised a couple of hundred dollars a year, would you borrow the money ahead somewheres and take me along to California? I says, Yes, I would if I could get a couple hundred dollars more salary, but how could I do that when I had signed the contract for twenty-eight hundred last fall already? She says, Don't you think you are worth more than twenty-eight hundred dollars? And I says, Yes, of course I was worth more than twenty-eight hundred. She says, Well, if you will go and talk the right way to Comiskey, I believe he will give you three thousand dollars, but you must be sure you go at it the right way, and don't go and bowl it all up. Well, we argued about it a while, because I don't want to hold nobody up, Al, but finally I says I would. It would not be holding nobody up anyway, because I am worth $3,000 to the club if I am worth a nickel. The papers is all saying that the club has got a good chance to win the pennant this year, and talking about the pitching staff, and I guess they would not be no pitching staff much if it was not for I and one or two others. About one other, I guess. So it looks like as if everything will be all okay now, Al. I am going to the office over to the park to see him the first thing in the morning, and I am pretty sure that I will get what I am after, because if I do not, he will see that I am going to quit, and then he will see what he is up against and not let me get away. I will let you know how I come out. Your pal, Jack. Chicago, Illinois, February 14. Friend Al. Al, old pal, I have got a big surprise for you. I am going to the Federal League. I had a run-in with Comiskey yesterday, and I guess I told him a thing or two. I guess he would have been glad to sign me at my own figure before I got through, but I was so mad I would not give him no chance to offer me another contract. I got out to the park at 9 o'clock yesterday morning, and it was an hour before he showed up and then he kept me waiting another hour, so I was pretty sore when I finally went in to see him. He says, Well, young man, what can I do for you? I says, I come to see about my contract. He says, Do you want to sign up for next year already? I says, No, I am talking about this year. He says, I thought I and you talked business last fall. And I says, Yes, but now I think I am worth more money, and I want to sign a contract for $3,000. He says, 
If you behave yourself and work good this year, I will see that you are took care of. But I says, that won't do because I have got to be sure I am going to get $3,000. Then he says, I am not sure you're going to get anything. I says, what do you mean? And he says, I have gave you a very fair contract, and if you don't want to live up to it, that is your business. So I gave him an awful call, Al, and told him I would jump to the Federal League. He says, Oh, I would not do that if I was you. They are having a hard enough time as it is. So I says something back to him, and he did not say nothing to me, and I beat it out of the office. I have not told Flory about the Federal League business, as I am going to give her a big surprise. I bet they will take her along with me on the training trip and pay her fair, but even if they don't, I should not worry, because I will make them give me a contract for $4,000 a year, and then I can afford to take her with me on all the trips. I will go down and see Tinker tomorrow morning, and I will write you tomorrow night, Al, how much salary they are going to give me. But I won't sign for no less than $4,000. You know me, Al. Yours, Jack. Chicago, Illinois, February 15. Old pal, it is pretty near midnight, Al, but I've been to bed a couple of times and I can't get no sleep. I am worried to death, Al, and I don't know where I am going to head in at. Maybe I will go out and buy a gun, Al, and end it all, and I guess it would be better for everybody. But I cannot do that, Al, because I have not got the money to buy a gun with. I went down to see Tinker about signing up with the Federal League, and he was busy in the office when I come in. Pretty soon Buck Perry, the pitcher that was with Boston last year, come out and seen me, and as Tinker was still busy, we went out and had a drink together. Buck shows me a contract for $5,000 a year, and Tinker had also give him a $500 bonus. So pretty soon I went up to the office, and pretty soon Tinker seen me and called me into his private office and asked what did I want. I says I was ready to jump for $4,000 and a bonus. He says, I thought you was signed up with the White Sox. I says, yes, but I was not satisfied. He says, that does not make no difference to me if you are satisfied or not. You ought to have come to me before you signed the contract. I says, I did not know enough, but I know better now. He says, well, it is too late now. We cannot have nothing to do with you because you have went and signed the contract with the White Sox. I argued with him a while and asked him to come out and have a drink so we could talk it over, but he said he was busy so there was nothing for me to do but blow. So I am not going to the Federal League, Al, and I will not go with the White Sox because I have got a raw deal. Comiskey will be sorry for what he has done when his team starts the season and he is up against it for good pitchers and then he will probably give me everything I ask for. But that don't do me no good now, Al. I am way in debt and no chance to get no money from nobody. I wish I had stayed in Terre Haute, Al, and never saw this league. Your pal, Jack. Chicago, Illinois, February 17. Friend Al. Al, don't never let nobody tell you that these here left-handers is right. This Allen, my own brother-in-law, who married sisters, has been grafting and sponging on me all winter, Al. Look what he done to me now, Al. You know how hard I've been up against it for money, and I know he has got plenty of it because I seen it on him. Well, Al, I was scared to tell Florrie I was cleaned out, 
and so I went to Allen yesterday and says I had to have $100 right away because I owed the rent and owed the hired girl's salary and could not even pay no grocery bill. And he says no he could not let me have none because he has got to save all his money to take his wife on a trip to California. And here he has been living on me all winter and maybe I could have took my wife to California if I had not have spent all my money taking care of this no good left hander and his wife. And Al, honest, he has not got a thing and what not to be in the league. He gets by with a dinky curveball and he has got no more smoke than a rabbit or something. Well, Al, I felt like busting him in the jaw, but then I thought, no, I might kill him. And then I would have Marie and Flory both to take care of, and God knows one of them is enough, besides paying his funeral expenses. So I walked away from him without taking a crack at him, and went into the other room where Flory and Marie was at. I says to Marie, I says, Marie, I wish you would go in the other room a minute, because I want to talk to Flory. So Marie beats it into the other room, and then I tells Flory all about what Comiskey and the Federal League done to me. She bawled something awful, and then she says I was no good, and she wished she had not never married me. I says, I wished it too. And then she says, do you mean that? And starts to cry. I told her I was sorry. I says that because they is not no use fussing with girls, Al, especially when they is your wife. She says, no California trip for me. And then she says, what are you going to do? And I says, I did not know. She says, well, if I was a man, I would do something. So then I got mad, and I says, I will do something. So I went down to the corner saloon and started in to get good and drunk, but I could not do it, Al, because I did not have the money. Well, old pal, I am going to ask you a big favor, and it is this. I want you to send me a $100, Al, for just a few days till I can get on my feet. I do not know when I can pay it back, Al, but I guess you know the money is good, and I know you have got it. Who would not have it when they live in Bedford? And besides, I let you take $20 in June four years ago, Al, and you give it back, but I would not have said nothing to you if you would have kept it. Let me hear from you right away, old pal. Yours truly, Jack. Chicago, Illinois, February 19. Al. I am certainly grateful to you, Al, for the $100 which come just a little while ago. I will pay the rent with it and part of the grocery bill, and I guess the hired girl will have to wait a while for hern, but she is sure to get it because I don't never forget my debts. I have changed my mind about the White Sox, and I am going to go on the trip and take Flory along because I don't think it would not be right to leave her alone in shy when her sister and all of us is going. I am going over to the ballpark and up in the office pretty soon to see about it. I will tell Comiskey I changed my mind and he will be glad to get me back because the club has not got no chance to finish nowheres without me. But I won't go on no trip or give the club my services without them giving me some more advance money so as I can take Flory along with me because Al I would not go without her. Maybe Comiskey will make my salary $3,000 like I wanted him to when he sees I am willing to be a good fellow and go along with him and when he knows that the Federal League would have gladly gave me $4,000 if I had not have signed no contract with the White Sox. I think I will ask him for $200 advance money, Al, and if I get it, maybe I can send part of your $100 back to you, but I know you cannot be in no hurry, Al, though you says you wanted it back as soon as possible. 
You could not be very hard up, Al, because it don't cost near so much to live in Bedford as it does here. Anyway, I will let you know how I come out with Comiskey, and I will write you as soon as I get out to Paso Robles if I don't get no time to write you before I leave. Your pal, Jack. P.S. I have took good care of myself all winter, Al, and I guess I ought to have a great season. P.S. Flory is tickled to death about going along, and her and I will have some time together out there on the coast if I can get some money somewheres. Chicago, Illinois, February 21, Friend Al. I have not got the heart to write this letter to you, Al. I am up here in my forty-two fifty a month flat, and the club has went to California, and Flory has went too. I am flat broke, Al, and all I am asking you is to send me enough money to pay my fare to Bedford, and they and all their leagues can go to hell, Al. I was out to the ballpark early yesterday morning, and some of the boys was there already fanning and kidding each other. They tried to kid me, too, when I come in, but I guess I give them as good as they give me. I was not in no mind for kidding, Al, because I was there on business, and I wanted to see Comiskey and get it done with. Well, the secretary come in finally, and I went up to him and says, I want to see Comiskey right now. He says the boss was busy, and what did I want to see him about? And I says I wanted to get some advance money, because I was going to take my wife on the trip. He says, this would be a fine time to be telling us about it, even if you was going on the trip. And I says, what do you mean? And he says, you are not going on no trip with us, because we have got waivers on you, and you are sold to Milwaukee. Honest, Al, I thought he was kidding at first, and I was waiting for him to laugh, but he did not laugh. And finally I says, what do you mean? And he says, cannot you understand no English? You are sold to Milwaukee. Then I says, I want to see the boss. He says, It won't do you no good to see the boss, and he is too busy to see you. I says, I want to get some money. And he says, You cannot get no money from this club, and all you get is your fare to Milwaukee. I says, I am not going to know Milwaukee anyway. And he says, I should not worry about that. Suit yourself. Well, Al, I told some of the boys about it, and they was pretty sore, and says I ought to bust the secretary in the jaw, and I was going to do it, when I thought, no, I better not, because he is a little guy and I might kill him. I looked all over for Kid Gleason, but he was not nowhere around, and they told me he would not get into town till late in the afternoon. If I could have saw him, Al, he would have fixed me all up. I asked three or four of the boys for some money, but they says they was all broke. But I have not told you the worst of it yet, Al. When I come back to the flat, Alan and Marie and Florrie was busy packing up, and they asked me how I come out. I told them, and Alan just stood there staring like a big rummy, but Marie and Florrie both begin to cry, and I almost felt like as if I would like to cry too, only I am not no baby, Al. Well, Al, I told Florrie she might just as well quit packing and make up her mind that she was not going nowheres till I got money enough to go to Bedford where I belong. She kept right on crying and it got so I could not stand it no more so I went out to get a drink because I still had just about a dollar left yet. It was about two o'clock when I left the flat and pretty near five when I come back 
because I had a run-in to some fans that knowed who I was and would not let me get away, and besides, I did not want to see no more of Allen and Marie till they was out of the house and on their way. But when I come in, Al, they was nobody there. They was not nothing there except the furniture and a few of my things scattered around. I sit down for a few minutes because I guessed I must have had too much to drink, but finally I seen a note on the table addressed to me and I seen it was Florrie's writing. I do not remember just what was there in the note, Al, because I tore it up the minute I read it, but it was something about I could not support no wife and Allen had gave her enough money to go back to Texas and she was going on the six o'clock train and it would not do me no good to try and stop her. Well, Al, there was not no danger of me trying to stop her. She was not no good, Al, and I wished I had not have never saw either she or her sister or my brother-in-law. For a minute, I thought I would follow Allen and his wife down to the depot where the special train was to pull out of and wait till I seen him and punch his jaw, but I seen that would not get me nothing. So here I am all alone, Al and I will have to stay here till you send me the money to come home. You better send me $25, because I have got a few little debts I should ought to pay before I leave town. I am not going to Milwaukee, Al, because I did not get no decent deal, and nobody cannot make no sucker out of me. Please hurry up with the $25, Al, old friend, because I am sick and tired of shy and want to get back there with my old pal. Yours, Jack. P.S. Al, I wish I had have took poor little Violet when she was so stuck on me. End of chapter 3